podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Ben Aiton and Mike Duffy. Uh, we're here to talk about Watford's 3-0 victory over Birmingham City and the much-needed three points. Um, I'm not getting excited. It's just a victory. I'm not going to be hyping us up for a late playoff charge. But there's a gentleman with me tonight who, um, on the way out of the ground last night, he actually thought that we might there might be a sneaky chance for the playoffs. So let's jump in straight away. Mike, how are you doing? Have you calmed down a little bit, or do you still believe there's a hope for playoffs? <laughs> I'm I'm doing well, mate. I was uh, <laughs> I was a little bit tired this morning. Got in at half twelve this morning and uh, was up again at um, quarter to seven for work. So. Was quite tired. First time I've ever driven down to the Vic, uh, having only passed my tests in Jan, so it was all a bit new to me. And uh, I think he, he knocked the stuffing out of me a bit today. <laughs> but it was worth the journey because we won three 0 against Birmingham as well. Bragging rights are well and truly mine after they drew with us back in uh, August, which you know it raised a few eyebrows. But um, no, all good and. Ben, until it's mathematically possible, mate, I will still think it is doable. Uh, I, I'm I'm such an idiot for thinking so, but uh, but yeah. How, how are you anyway? Are you all good? And everyone, this is this is Mike talking without a drink inside him, thinking that we can hit the playoffs as well. So yeah, I think he needs to go get his um, health checked or something. I think he must have took a faint of the head on the way down. I won't tell you what happened on the way down with him getting changed in the car outside of a school. But we'll leave that. Um, between you and me, mate, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm all good, mate. Um, and apologies, everyone, if you was expecting a match day vlog yesterday from Mike. It, it was all in Mike's hands. He was planning to do one. Um, little did we know his phone is shit. Let's just say it's shit, Mike. Um, he, he, he started recording two videos, but the sound was really muffled uh, on his videos. Um, so unfortunately, we didn't do a match day vlog. I did start doing it. Um, but the, the quality of it wasn't great because obviously walking from where I parked my car along Casterbury Drive, there's not many streetlights along there. And I was recording it and it was just pitch black. You couldn't even see my face. So it was basically just just me talking. So I thought that's not good enough. We want to try and keep up to a decent standard. Um, so we've, we've scrapped that for this week, unfortunately. But I will um, do it again this weekend at home to Wigan Athletic. Because um, the, the figures that we've got for the first two vlogs have been really good. Um, so, obviously, the demand's there. So, we will carry it on. And then, obviously, we've, me and Mike's both got tickets for Coventry away. So, we might do, like, a joint vlog or something. Or we'll both feature on it. So, that'll be exciting stuff as well. But, yeah, we're we're not here to talk about vlogs. We're here to talk about Watford picking up three points yesterday. Watford's first win in five games. Um, Chris Wilder's first win as well as Watford head coach. Um, he made three changes to the team, Mike. Um, so Hamza Chowdhury picked up a 10th yellow card away at QPR at, on Saturday. He was missing, plus Mary Gaspar and Ismail Saar came out of the side. Um, Saar is believed to have a injury to his hamstring, but he could be back for contention against Wigan this weekend. Um, in came Leonardo um, Bakuna, Ismail Kone and Jeremy Ngakia. Mike, what what was your thoughts leading into the game with that starting a lineup? Was, was you pleased with the lineup? Was it the changes we needed to make from that pathetic performance away at QPR? Well, it's something it needed to give after QPR because it, it just wasn't good enough. 
Um, I, I must admit, I was quite surprised to see Ngakia come in. And I was also quite surprised to see Bakuna start as well. But credit to both of those. Uh, and Kone as well. I thought they all did really well, played their part. Kone was superb. Um, Bakuna did what he needed to do, did the basics right. You know, wasn't head and shoulders above, above anyone else. But considering the, the stick he's been getting, he, he did well, uh, I thought. And then Jezza, that first half, was absolutely unbelievable. Um, we, we were speaking at half-time and, and you made a comparison, which I'm sure you'll talk about. But he, he was absolutely superb. Um, so, yeah, you know, in terms of the starting eleven, um, we knew changes were going to happen because of the mid uh, Hamza suspension and Wilder probably thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not sticking with the same team that was pathetic against QPR. So um, I, I think the, the changes, looking back on it, were probably ones I could have guessed. Um, but the, the shake-up was needed and the shake-up worked. So, um, you know, can't complain at that at all. Yeah, and you was on about the comparisons I made with Jeremy and Gaku yesterday. I actually made a couple. Um, are you referring to my Juan Carlos Paredes debut, or are you on about me going on Twitter after saying he was um, da- Danny Alves of Barcelona? <laughs> yeah, you said Danny Alves at half time, but you also said that uh, Juan Carlos Paredes. Um, yeah, that, it's that just when he hit that maybe. shot from outside the box, and it. I, it just reminded me of Juan Carlos Paredes when he just turned up for that first game of the season. He was absolutely on fire. And we thought, fucking hell, we got a player here. And then just banged one from outside the box and it cannoned off the crossbar, didn't it? And then Jezza last night was so close. And I thought, first 45 minutes, Mike, that's probably the best I've probably seen Jeremy and Gakia for a very long time. I'm not going to say in the Watford shirt because he was obviously very good under Ivic in the championship last time, but probably for the last two seasons, the best performance in the Watford shirt. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Uh, I was sat next to my old man and my brother and uh, I, I said that I was surprised that Ngakia was starting because we've seen Gaspar play more recently. Um, whether fatigue has come into it, I don't know. He did come on later on in the game, obviously. And I, I said it's such a shame with uh, Ngakia because he started his Watford career off so well you know, that season under Ivic in the lockdown season, you know, we would often come on the pod and say he's top of this stat or he's leading in this leaderboard. And, you know, we'd often praise him. And then it's just sort of gone downhill for him. But to be fair to Jezza, he's not really had a run in uh, the team. So you can't really build on performances if you, you have so many games and then you're out for so long. And then he's been having to deal with injuries. But We've seen him a couple of times this season and uh, the, the Blackburn game sticks out in my mind. He was absolutely woeful. Got turned inside out, upside down, uh, whatever way you want to put it, uh, against Brent, uh, Ber- Brereton Diaz. And uh, I thought that that was the end for him. But fair play to Jezza. Uh, really good first half. Not the best second half, but really good first half. And... Um, yeah, you know, I I think the first half for for Watford on a whole yesterday was was positive. Yeah, definitely, and yeah, I think there's obviously there's still flaws in Jeremy's um, game, but he, he did seem to improve yesterday, and he struggled, like you say, that second half, and he was taken off about 15 minutes into that second half. Um, but it was a really strong second half start from Birmingham, which we'll allude to in a minute. But yeah, Mike, yesterday. 
an electric start at Vicarage Road. We've waited so long for a, a strong start. I think the last time was back in October against Boeslot off the M1. Um, this time it took six minutes for Watford to open the scoring. It was a fantastic attack, wasn't it, down that left-hand side? But credit to Keenan Davis here. He held the ball up and and drive through it a bit. And, and he saw Ken Semmer in acres of space over on that left-hand side. I've not seen Ken being given that much space before. Like they must have just been so glued to the ball and just forgot Ken was over on the left hand side. Next minute, Ken does what Ken does best: gets to the byline, fizzes the ball across the six yard box, and there was Inman loser to tap home his um, third goal of the season. But that was the start we needed, wasn't it, Mike? That was the start to get fans back on side. Hundred percent, and it completely. <laughs> knocked the wind out of Birmingham's sails. Uh, and you mentioned how much space Ken had over on the left. What I found interesting and quite surprising, really, was, you know, Eustace and his team would have looked at how we've set up over the recent weeks and, you know, they'd have had a bit of a a good momentum coming into the game, having beaten Rotherham. And, you know, they, they would have thought, right, you know, what for the struggling? Let's go put them on the back foot. That left-hand side, every time, was so open. Um, like, and their right-back position, uh, I, not to jump ahead, but you, you look at the uh, Keenan Davies goal. Imran Loser had the ball, and there was no one over on, on, on our left. Like Davies had acres of space. So, as you say, to give Ken that much space is criminal. You know, Anyone that watches uh, the championship, even if they're not a manager, I'm talking fans now, know... Mm. That you give Ken Semmer that space, he, he'll do what he does best. And, you know, it's another assist for Ken. And I think absolutely you're right, you know. Um, we needed to, A, start well, but that early goal proper knocked the stuffing out of Blues because I think they were a little bit pissed off with uh, Eustace yesterday. I saw a few things on social media and uh, I was texting a few mates during the game and they basically changed the team that won at Rotherham. Uh, and I think they went to a back five, uh, whereas they were on a back three or a back four against Rotherham. So they were like, why change a winning team? Um, so, you know, they, that, that would have put them down to start with. But an early goal always always knocks it out of you. And, you know, I'm delighted for loser. Um, you know, obviously, since that horrible injury he picked up at Millwall, you know, you sort of wince a little bit every time he goes down. He went down yesterday and I thought, you know, the trainers having to come on, hopefully this isn't going to be a recurrence. And he's getting that run in the team and we're starting to see the promise and the excitement that we thought we would from loser. And uh, yeah, I'm delighted for him, but it was a big goal. And uh, yeah, it was so important that we got that first goal yesterday and so early on as well. Yeah, and <clears throat> credit where credit's due. Um, if you watch my match day vlog, um, the QPR one, I had a bit of a little rant um, about the midfield two of Hamza Chowdhury and Inran Loser. And I said that I don't believe what the whole hype is with Inran Loser. <laughs> Everyone's playing on saying he's going to be our saviour when he comes back. But he, he he didn't really hit the levels to what Watford fans or even I expected. Um, so I hold my hands up. Yesterday was a very good performance from Inran Loser. Um, and it might be due to the personnel that he's got round him, Mike, for him to allow to play his games more. Do you reckon that with, with um, Chowdhury out the side, it allowed him to maybe move the ball a bit quicker? Because Hamza can slow things down sometimes, doesn't it? And loses, obviously, that guy who makes that midfield tick. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do think that, you know, having Hamza next to him can maybe limit him in what he can do, um, as you say. So, yeah, you know, and I think as well, Chris Wilder's instructions would have been right. Every time we get the ball, we've got to go forward. I, I'm sure he would have said that uh, in the QPR game, but I think it was all about the, the levels and doing the basics right. And Imran Luzer, his basic game is is brilliant. And, you know, Kone, having Kone in there as well, another energetic midfielder, it, it will only help him. Uh, whereas, yeah. like you said, you know, Hamza sort of slows down the tempo a little bit. So it does limit what Luzer can do. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, obviously Hamza's out on Saturday. It's, it's a two-game suspension. So I would imagine he'll stick with the same midfield, and, and rightly so. But yeah. when Hamza comes back, you know, there, there are fans that think that Hamza should be in that squad. I, I'm one of them. But it, it does frustrate me that it sort of limits loser. But hopefully, you know, under Wilder now, different instructions, we might see a little bit of a tweak and we might see Hamza sort of being more energetic, if you like, and not slowing it down and not looking to pass sideways or back um, and, and being a bit more direct. But, yeah, I, I do understand what you mean. I, I think it was it was definitely different having Bakuna and um, and Kone next to him yesterday. I think it benefited him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that he had the legs around him yesterday, didn't he? I know... Hamza has a lot of legs and he runs so much as well, but it's a different kind of energy that Hamza brings to the field. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it would be the same midfield three this weekend, especially with Hamza being out suspended. But you'd want Hamza back for that game at Kenworth Road against oh. Luton mm-hmm. on April 1st. Uh, he will come straight back in. And it's a, it's a good headache, really, for Chris Wilder, isn't it? Having these options in midfield now. Obviously, he's made the two changes in midfield at the weekend from the weekend. And it was a positive outcome as well. So now he's got Bakuna knocking on the door. He's got Kone knocking on the door. It's a manager's dream, isn't it? To make the changes and the players that hit the ground running straight away. Oh, absolutely. And I said this a couple of weeks ago. When all these players come back from injury, suspension, what have you, we've got one hell of a side to choose from. And if something clicks and no team can start playing and be more direct and, and just just putting them out there and getting a bit more team cohesion uh, under the right guidership. We've got a brilliant squad. So, absolutely, it's going to be a massive headache for Chris Wilder. I mean, this is levels apart what I'm about to say, but, you know, I struggle when my Saturday team have the maximum allowed for a matchday squad. So, I dread to think what Chris Wilder's thinking, but I think it's brilliant. And, you know, there's been a couple of times this season, Ben, where I think, We've looked at the squad we've had. Norwich away straight away in my head. We've looked at the squad we've had and we've thought, if he gets injured, who's coming on for him? The squad looks a bit light. Now these players are coming back. The the, the bench is a bit more sort of packed out, if you like, and you, you feel a bit more confident of, oh, it's all right. If he does get injured or he does get a yellow and has to come off, then this player can come on and he can do the job. So, yeah, uh, best of luck to Chris and his coaching staff for uh, for picking the team on, on Saturday. But if I was him, uh, other than if anyone picked up any injuries, I wouldn't change the team on Saturday. Uh, and, you know, depending on how Saturday went, 
I'd, I'd be reluctant to change it for uh, for the, the, the big game on April the 1st. But, you know, Hamza is a warrior and he is someone that gets stuck in. And I don't want to slag Bakuna off because he had a brilliant game last night. But he doesn't have quite have the same effect. And I don't think he'd be the type of player to get in midfield against Luton. You want someone in there that's going to, you know, go strong into the challenges. And Bakuna just isn't that type of player. Um, so, yeah, uh, but best of luck to Chris picking the team on Saturday. But for me, I'd go unchanged. Yeah, I tell you what, if Bakuna started against Luton, he wouldn't he wouldn't finish the game. He would get sent off. <laughs> and, it, yeah. and he would cost us three points. It's, you can see it. You can see the way he charges around the pitch sometimes. I think he tried to take Hannibal out last night as well. Um, I can't stand him as well. What a horrible player. Um, he spent more time on the floor last night, just like that trusty as well. Oh, mate, honestly, yeah, that <laughs> Hannibal. Um, I expected better from him. Um, you know, they, 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 they really. I mean, he's a good prospect, and I'm sure he he will get some first team minutes for Man United in the future. And they they honestly rave about him down the Blues. But my God, he like you said, he was on the floor for most of the night. And then if he wasn't on the floor, he was in the referee's ear for something. And don't get me started on the ref. That that ref last night. It, this season is a, a select group referee, which means he's a Premier League ref, and he put in a performance like that. It was absolutely um, astonishing. Um, really, really poor refereeing display again. Mm. Um, and Joe Thomas says, um, massive shout out to a midfield last night, but ran the game. Bakuna was a great shout and did well, but loser particularly was incredible, he thought. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's jump straight into the second goal then. Um, it, the goals were quickly becoming like London buses, weren't they, Mike? One okay. comes along and two comes along and it's like, Jesus, what am I going to do with all these goals? Um, what for double dead leads with a fantastic goal from Keenan Davis. And it was 16 games he went without scoring for Watford. 16. Um, but what a fantastic taken, fantastically taken goal um, to score past um, John Ruddy at just what he needed, wasn't it, Mike? Because QPR, it wasn't very good, but he, he responded last night. And do you reckon that was down to the fact that it was against those Blues? I would say so. You know, there, there might have been an added extra incentive that he's, was playing against his uh, parent club's rivals. And to be fair, I thought he'd get a lot more stick than he did. Uh, there, was a, there was a couple of times, sort of in the second half, where uh, especially around the time he got a yellow, there was a few chants of uh, you dirty Villa bastard, which I thought might echo around the grounds a, a bit more frequently up until that point. But they didn't seem bothered. It's almost like they forgot he was on loan from Villa. But like I said earlier, it goes back to that space we had on the right-hand side. Loser, every time he got the ball, looking up. Reminded me a little bit of Will Hughes, because every time Hughes had the ball, he'd look up. He, he wouldn't look sideways or back. He'd be like, right, how can I get this ball forward and help help us create a chance? That's what Loser was like last night. And he was on it and he had the space to do it in the first half. And Davis doing what Davis does brilliantly, he'll get the ball sometimes and you'll think, oh, he's picked it up too deep. And he'll go on this run and he'll just body about three or four people and all these step overs and you think, come on, do something with it, don't lose it. But the ball just sticks to him. And then he took it out wide and I thought, I thought when he when he was dragged out wide a little bit, I thought, ah, you know, they, they, this could cost him. He might have stepped too wide. But 
for a person that hasn't scored in 16 games, my God, that was one hell of a finish. Like, it wouldn't have surprised me if he put that over the bar because of how his confidence was. And, uh, well, that's what this uh, this chap here is just saying, you know, the, the, for a goal with no self-confidence, it's, it was definitely an unbelievable goal. Absolute power. I saw a stat last night as well. Um, I, I don't know if you can call it a stat or someone noticed that all of Davies's goals at Vicarage Road have been scored in front of the away end. Uh, and I think he's going to celebrate it in front of them as well. I think um, Sunderland, Luton and then uh, Birmingham last night, um, they've all been scored in front of the away end. So he obviously relishes it. Uh, but yeah, delighted for him. And hopefully now he can start, you know, racking up a few more goals because although I wasn't expecting him to come in and score sort of double figures or close to, I did expect him to have more than five uh, so far this season for, for the minutes he's played. But uh, absolutely delighted for him, Ben, and uh, and delighted for Britt as well, which we'll talk about in a bit, but delighted, mate. Yeah, and that stat you was on about is from our good friends at WD18. They put the tweet out last night during the game. Um, so, yeah, he, he does love playing in front of that away end, doesn't he? It'll be, it, I, I want him to score in front of a rookery, though, um, just because he hasn't had the opportunity to do that yet. And I imagine that's quite a special moment, isn't it? Scoring in front of like the, the big home end. Because um, I imagine he's, he's scored, scored at a whole end at Villa as well. Um, so I'm sure he wants to tick off the rookery end at Watford. Um, but And I'm pretty sure, like, we're saying about how he's got no confidence as well, like no self-confidence at the moment. I'm pretty sure I read an interview the other day. It might have been with Andrew French with um, Chris Wilder. Um, and he was asking him about Keenan Davis. And he said that he had a long old chat with him after the, the game at QPR. And he, he was just telling him that he, he needs to be braver. He needs to take opportunities. He needs to get the ball onto his left foot. And I don't know if that just sunk into him last night going, OK, I, I need to keep it on my left foot and take the opportunity because that's what he did with that goal, wasn't it? it? It was such a strong strike as well. And he looked like a guy, a guy who wasn't short of confidence. It, it was fantastic to see. And and hopefully that this will give him a bit more of a an edge going forward. Like maybe we can see him perform again at Wigan and I'd love for him to add to his tally because he's only on five goals this season. And for a centre forward, it's, it's not a great return. And I know you, you've said before, Mike, you've looked at his stats and he doesn't tend to score too many goals. It, yeah. It's more what he brings to the team. But for this Watford team, we haven't really got the out-and-out striker. So we do need him to crop up with the goals a little bit more. Um, but yeah, Watford went in half-time at 2-0 up against Birmingham City. I think 2-0 is a bit like, we could have maybe got a couple more there. Kone had a shot on the edge of the area. Fantastic shot. But if if I'm honest, I think he maybe hit it a bit too nicely. If he mishit that a little bit, it, it probably Roddy probably wouldn't have got a hand to it and it would have been 3-0 Watford. But 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline, Mike, wasn't it? Was you feeling comfortable at half-time? Yeah, I definitely. My, my old man said to me, uh, this. I think just as the second half started and they piled on the pressure, uh, my old man said, um, this This is screaming of reading away when we were turning up. And I was like, oh God, don't. Um, and I think it was a frustration. Now, listen, with so many Watford fans, social media has been really sort of doom and gloom place over the last few weeks. And I said... Um, I said on the preview that I did with the Blues Focus podcast that uh, 
I just wanted to see a team performance where they looked like they gave a shit and looked like they were trying. And we absolutely did. But if I was nitpicking, I would have liked us to take them to the sword a little bit more. Like we could have very easily been three or four nil up in that first half alone. And you look at granted, I think it was earlier in the season, um, the a couple of seasons ago. But you look at that Bristol City game where we won 6-0 in lockdown. That was the game where it clicked for us. And then we went on that brilliant run. I'm still waiting for that sort of game where we click and we batter a team 5-6-0. And I thought last night was going to be it. You know, like I say, we should have really been 4-0 up at half-time. So that's my only sort of grumble. Uh, And then obviously, as I'm sure you're about to talk about, I think uh, we let them back into the game well too easily. They started too easily as well um, in in that second half. And luckily, they didn't score. But if they had, it would have been such an uneasy watch. And I think, you know, we'd have found a way to fluff it up then. You're on mute, Ben. Ben's on mute. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm not. Here we go. Sorry about that. My, my, um, <laughs> my tablet frozen. Uh, I put myself on mute. And um, yeah, froze. So typical. Um, but yeah, 2-0 um, dangerous scoreline for Watford. Um, but second half, wasn't it? It came out. We had very good opportunity within the first 30 seconds, wasn't it? Gel Pedro found some space in, inside the and penalty box and it was a shot straight at John Roddy and within seconds it went up the other end. A ball played in between uh, two of our defenders and uh, Hogan just found him one-on-one with um, Daniel Batman and my my heart was in my mouth at that point. I thought, this is it. It's 2-1 and he put it wide and I, I didn't realise how poorly that attempt was, Mark, because I don't know if you've watched it back. Yeah, but watching it in the stadium, I thought it was just maybe whiskers wide. He missed the goal by quite a big distance, didn't he? I thought Backman had saved it and like he clipped it and it went out. But um, my mate texted me who was watching the game and he said, I, I said, I cannot believe Hogan's just missed that. And uh, he said that it, it was miles wide. And I watched it back when I got back from work this morning. I watched the, uh, uh, this afternoon, I uh, watched the highlights and wow. Considering he's their top scorer as well. He scored nine goals, the same as Saar and Pedro. And uh, I'm led to believe that recently his fortunes haven't been as good. Uh, exhibit A last night. Uh, <laughs> and I think as well, he had a similar one uh, later on in the second half where he got put through, but um, nothing come of it. I, I can't remember if he put it wide or whatever or tried to play someone in. I don't know. Uh, he might have been offside, to be fair. But yeah, um how many times, Ben, this season have we said that luck has been well against us where we've missed chances that we should have scored easily? And uh, it felt like a little bit last night that luck was on our side. You know, he missed that, put it horrendously wide. Uh, and then, you know, they had another chance not long after. And we sort of rode their sort of little wave, if you like. And then uh, we were able to, to you know, hang on and, and grab another goal. So, yeah, horrendous miss. I... Uh, I've I've missed some sitters in my time, but that was a bad one. That was. Yeah, I think we rode the storm really well. Um, to be fair, yes. I think ten fifteen minutes, 
it the ball just kept coming back doing it Birmingham had a really strong bit of pressure and it was probably the best spell of the game from them um, they kept on knocking they had a couple of opportunities I think Trusty pull it over as well when it, I, I don't know how he didn't hit the target um, he was free at that far post and it, it looked like it was a gaping goal for him um, but somehow and luckily for Watford he popped it over and another day Mike against a better team could have been 2-2 two, two at that point um, two really good opportunities and this is that difference between the Championship and the Premier League isn't it Premier League you get punished every opportunity like that I'd see in the back of the net and Daniel Batman's picking the ball out um, last night luckily the, the quality of the opposition wasn't there um, and I know Birmingham were about 19th in the table and they're down the bottom end and, and I think it showed last night with their quality up front if I, if I stuck the ball away I don't think they'll be where they are in, in the table this season. But yeah, Watford, they looked nervous, but they held out, kept their heads up, didn't they, Mike? They they, they kind of waved the storm by eventually getting their foot on the ball and taking a sting out of Birmingham's game, didn't they? And, and just slowed it down by keeping the ball. And, and then there was a, a chance, uh, no, there was a... There was a moment in that second half where Keenan Davis was already on a yellow card and he went in and committed a foul up towards our goal. And I kind of was like, oh, I hope he's not going to go here. Um, but within seconds of him making that foul, Chris Wilder was like, I'm going to make a change here. And it was good to see Wilder thinking on his feet straight away, going, I'm not risking going down to 10 men. I'm not risking Keenan Davis picking up a suspension. So fantastic in-game management for Chris Wilder. He was very proactive and spotted the warning signs and dealt with it straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't even going to let Keenan Davis stay on the pitch for that dangerous free kick we had in um, up the other end. Um was awarded a free kick and he was like, nah, not risking it, taking him off straight away. Um, so he made the change, didn't he? Uh, British on Belonga came on. Uh, Jeremy Ngaku went off. Um, Mario Gasper came on just to shore up that right hand side because Ngakia did get got at a little bit um, in that second half. But Britt came on, Mike. Did you think he was going to turn up and score last night? Because there was a stat floating around social media during the day saying that Britt Sonvalonga, the team he scored the most goals against in his career, was Birmingham City. I did. And uh, my brother and my old man can back me up on this as well. I said. When Asambalonga was getting ready to come on, I told them that stat and I said, he's 100% scoring tonight. There's a few moans and groans. Uh, I, w- when we was clapping off Davis, I was sort of looking around to see what people's reactions were to Brick coming on. I kid you not, there was a guy over my shoulder to the left of me and he was like this. <laughs> so for anyone that's listening on the pod and can't see me, I've got my hands on my head. Um, he, I was like, Come on, like I know he's not favoured by a lot of Watford fans, but I thought that's uh, that's quite harsh. But he uh, he silenced the doubters, or uh, you know, some people will say, "Oh, he didn't even do that." But he was in the right place at the right time, and I think as well, uh, Sonny, to give Brick credit for, is yes, you know, fitness-wise, he's not where he should be. But if you actually watch him and the movements and the position he gets himself into, he is actually. You know, he, he knows what he's doing. Let's yeah. not forget, this guy scores goals in the championship. So, you know, he, he's not daft and he, he's not become a crap player overnight. And, um, you know, a couple of balls could have gone to him in the game, but they, they went elsewhere. And 
uh, you know, if they'd have gone to him, he'd have been, you know, poised perfectly. But I was delighted for him, Ben. And a, a massive, massive like, um, credit to Ishmael Kona as well, because he really did the, the, the dirty work on that goal and he didn't give up and he was persistent down that side. And I thought he was going to overrun it from that pass from Gaspar. And to weave in and out the defender like that, and then just play through Britta Sambalonga. Uh, Brit won't care how it went in because it was a bit comical, but uh, he'll just go <coughs> and go in. And absolutely delighted for him. And hopefully now, I know he's probably not going to play as many minutes, but hopefully now we can start, you know, adding a few more here and there and coming off the bench. And we can start to think, well, you know, we, we can bring Brit on and he'll, he'll nick us a goal here and there. And, who knows, you know, um, I'm, but I'm delighted for Brit. I really am. I know there's a lot of Watford fans that aren't keen on him, but I'm buzzing for him. Little bit of a question I'm going to throw at you. I don't know if you're going to know the answer. Mm. How many days roughly do you think it's been since his debut at Watford? Um, mm. Did you see this put out by Andrew French earlier? Yeah, I think uh, WD18 put a tweet out as well. Um, how many days... Since he made his his debut to him scoring his first goal for Watford. Because obviously it's been 10 years. He made his debut on the 17th of March, 2012. Uh, I mean, Joe Thomas has just put something in there. I have no idea. I'll I'll say say 5,200 or is that... Uh, Joe Thomas, uh, he, he came up and said 4,017 minutes. Um, so he's actually closer. So it's four thousand and fourteen days since he's made his debut. Um, he's waited a long time for that first Watford goal, hasn't he, Mike? Uh, yeah. he, he was very close at Reading as well. His goal was disallowed um, when he went away celebrating, and then he looked back, saw Valinos flag up. So you must have thought, ah, oh, I'm not going to get this moment. But it just shows that you keep knocking away, and you're going to get the rewards, aren't you? And like you say, there's Watford fans on here or in our fan base that. They don't rate Asomba longer and they thought he wasn't the right man to bring back. He's been brought back regardless. We need to back him. And, and he gets in the right areas. Like you say, Mike, he's got that instant goal scorer awareness, hasn't he? He's yeah. always in and around that six-yard box like he was yesterday. If he wasn't in that six-yard box, he wouldn't have scored. End of. So fair play to him for getting in the right areas at the right time. I did think he looked a little bit sharper yesterday as well um, than yes. he has done in previous games. There was enough. Uh, there was a, something um, in the second half towards the end. Um, he actually got hacked down by one of the Birmingham players as yeah. well. He actually showed a bit of a burst of pace to get past him, and he got hacked down. Um, so I thought, oh, we've not seen this in the previous games from British on Belonga. So hopefully that's him getting back up to like match fitness and match sharpness. So hopefully there's more to come from Brit. Um, but yeah, Watford ended up w- winning three 0 at home to Birmingham City. Much needed three points. Watford have actually moved up one place in the Championship after the win yesterday. Um, Coventry City have actually dropped points as well, so we're 11 on points with them now. And Watford are 10th. Um, there's teams playing tonight as well, and um, to be interesting to see how they get on. And we'll see if Watford have actually closed the gap on that a little bit. Um, but they're all playing at the moment and kicking off in the cha- championship. They're all winning as well. Sorry to be a party pooper. 
But Blackburn are one nil up, Luton are one nil up, Norwich are one nil up, and West Brom are one nil up. So as it stands, we're six points outside the playoffs again. So if you, if you remember at the start of the podcast, everyone, Mike still thinks there's hope for a playoff spot. Oh, mate, um... <laughs> I'm telling you, come back and I'll I'll send this whole episode to you if we do it. Um, I just think but, you're mad. I just. I, I don't know. I'm probably a fool and an idiot for thinking it, but I just think <laughs> our mate Jacob said the same thing. Well, until it's yeah, but we all know possible, Jacob. Jacob's yeah. a loon. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, until it's mathematically possible, I, I don't see why not. You know, we've got after Luton, there's only really Sunderland who's up there that we've got to play. I mean, Coventry away. Yeah, Coventry. I can't. I keep wanting to say I'm not bothered about them. They won't be up there, but I just know it'll come back to bite me on the arse. So Joe, don't than... encourage Mike as well. Joe's came up with a comment saying, if we beat Luton, I'm with you, Mike, we'll do it. Come on, Mike. Mate, he does need encouragement. Now, Luton will have a little bit of a slip up. Maybe not to the point of them falling out of the playoffs, but they they, they seem like they, they're, they're on a really good streak at the moment, but they will have a slip up. I'm telling you now. It is bound to happen. Yeah, well, let's hope it's against us anyway. Um, but um, just before we talk about like our, our thoughts on the performance and that, mm. one guy who seemed to love the attention around the full-time whistle <laughs> was not a Watford player, Mike, was it? It was a Mr. Troy Deeney. He looked like he, he was trying to hide that he was walking around the pitch, but also waving and enjoying every single second of that, wasn't he? He knew what he was doing. <laughs> to be I'll fair, walk out two minutes before full time and I'm just going to, yeah, make it known that I'm walking around. I'll get everyone singing my songs. And yeah, he, he loved it. He got a fair bit of stick, you know, as well. Um, he, because he's been out injured, he, in the last few weeks in the games, he obviously goes and watches and he, he'll tweet at half-time saying, like, half-time thoughts, blue noses, and, like, sort of ask for the Blues fans. And I saw him retweet one last night saying, uh, realise that you you didn't put your tweet out or whatever. Obviously, too busy with your Watford cronies. And um, Troy was like, there was no signal in the stadium. Now, I can back up Troy 100%. I think we can the all signal in the that. stadium. It's shit, ain't it? It's shit, yeah. Um you know, it, it, it's mad, like, you know... You get a better reception on the moon than you do at Vicarage Road. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, he, he he gets a lot of stick from the Blues fans, so I don't blame him if, you know, maybe he was just thinking, right, I do need to get over to the changing rooms now, just before full-time, and the only way I can do it, he, he would have had to have gone round anyway, uh, yeah. and that route was the quickest, you know. He weren't going to go trance all the way round the Vicarage Road end and past the visiting supporters. But, um, you know, he, he knows he's a legend and I, I'm just a bit disappointed. And listen, maybe it was because of Blues were, weren't winning and he is still, technically, he's still a footballer and he plays for Birmingham. But I was a little bit disappointed he didn't sort of do a speech at half-time, but I suppose it was, you know, it would have been deemed unprofessional would we have liked it if, let's say, uh, Birmingham City legends played for us and then he was injured and, you know, the, the shoe was on the other foot? So, no, probably not. But 
yeah, it was good to see him, and uh, I, I, you know, it, it was good to, to give him a chant as well. I was a little bit disappointed as well, and again, this might be the same reasoning. When they announced the teams um, just before we kicked off, the stadium announcer said like, a massive warm welcome back to John Eustace. And I was looking at the bench and uh, Eustace didn't even give a thumbs up or anything or a clap. He was uh, he was too busy chatting to his uh, assistant manager or whoever. But again, that's probably because he didn't want to be seen as unprofessional from Blues. He was there to do a job and get three points, but he didn't. So, oh, well, we got the three points. So better luck next time, mate. <laughs> <laughs> He was in the zone, wasn't he? But yeah, yeah. I, I think going back to the Troy Deeney thing and maybe talking at half time, yeah, I think it'd be deemed unprofessional, wasn't it? He's contracted to Birmingham. It wouldn't look great if he was doing an interview at half time with um, Richard Walker, would it? Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't go too well. But maybe when he's not playing um, for Birmingham, he would come back and probably do a half time talk or something. It would be good to get him back because um, we all do love Troy. Um, but yeah, final thoughts on yesterday's performance, Mike. Um, for for me, I was just reassured to actually see we've we've changed our attitude from a QPR game. We kind of worked on something, or Chris Wilder installed belief into the side, and we saw it yesterday. We we had eleven shots on target. I think we only had one or two at QPR away at the weekend. And what what was reassuring for me as well, there was patterns of play. How many times have we spoken this season saying we have no idea? about any patterns of play. We have no identity. You kind of saw that yesterday. And Wilders, it, it it's been his six days. Like, obviously, it was a terrible defeat at QPR, but he only had three days with a team. He's had six days with a team, and he's put in a performance like that. Reassuring? Yeah. And again, probably stresses why I think he's the best man for the job at, at the current moment in time with, with who's available, etc. Um, you know, QPR... Couldn't really judge him, or, like, couldn't put the blame, pin the blame on Wilder that game because he'd only had three days to work with him, as you say. But the fact that, you know, his next game, his first home game, we go and play like that. Yes, a lot of it was down to how poor Birmingham were. I think, I'm not just saying this because of my mates that might listen to this, but I genuinely think that they may be the worst opposition side I've seen at the Vic in a long time. Um, they they really were poor in that first half and then sort of tried in the second half a little bit and then thought, it's not happening, so we're not going to bother. Um, so, you know, that would have played a part as well. But as you say, you know, patterns of play. One thing that I noticed yesterday as well, Backman got the ball. It was it, none of this waiting around or passing it at the back. He gave it to Hoot, who I thought was superb yesterday, by the way. Really, yeah. really growing on me. Um got the ball, burst forward. Who was on the edge of the 18-yard box pretty much most of the game and trying to get past <coughs> him. Again, this might be, you know, Chris Wilder with the overlapping centre-backs. Porteous as well, not afraid to get forward. And it is nice to see. And if this is because of Chris and his coaching staff, then bloody hell, you know, we've got the right man in charge to take us forward. We have to make sure, we, yes, we've got a brilliant result last night against Blues, but we have to follow it up against Wigan. No game's an easy game in the Championship. We know that. Wigan drew last night with Coventry, and you know I'm sure Cov will be pissed off about that because you know they, they, they'll probably want to try and make the playoffs as well. But we, we simply have to beat Wigan. 
if we lose to Wigan at home, then we we don't deserve to go. And you could probably say that about a number of results that have gone our way this season as it is. But we we cannot we like under no circumstances we have to beat Wigan. Uh, and if we play like we did last night, I'm I'm more than confident. But we need to start taking teams to the sword. Last night could have got very ugly very quickly. You know, if, if that early goal didn't come and it was nil-nil for a long period of time, you know, there would have been moans and groans from the fans. Um, and, you know, if Blues have, would have put one of those chances away in that sort of 10, 15-minute spell at the start of the second half, then, you know, our heads, our, our arses might have been sort of, you know, trembling a bit. And, you know, they, they could have very easily got back into the game, as you said. Another team, more quality, would have done. So we need to start making sure that if we're on top and having these chances, we put them away. If there's a chance for a second, a third, a fourth, we bloody go for it. We keep going and going and going. So I think Wigan has to be one of these games where we have to look at how many we can score. Um, But yeah, really happy with the performance. Second half went a bit flat, but I think that was to be expected with the way that the game was going. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because we, we, we got the three points. It was a convincing win. And uh, hopefully now, under Wilder, he's going to be the best man for these last nine games. Yeah, let's hope so. Well, we all liked what we saw yesterday. OK, mm. it was against the struggling Bonus City side and who was hit by a lot of injuries. But you you, you play against teams that... that whatever they've got available, don't you? You have to play against what you're up against. And I thought we dispatched Birmingham really well in that first half. Okay, second half went a bit flat, but we potentially have won that in the first half, didn't we? And then the in-game management by Chris Wilder and the players on the pitch was second to none. And it, it was great to see. And yeah, you won a side similar to Birmingham at the weekend. And luckily for Watford, we've got that in Wigan Athletics. So, It'll be an interesting game. And like you say, you've got to take your chances. We did it yesterday and I'm hoping we do it again on Saturday. Um, but let's find out. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for watching tonight. Um, if you like the video, hit that like button. If, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button as well. Um, we will be back at the weekend to do a review of a Wigan Athletic game. It's the last game before the World Cup break. Um and then I'm also going to do a match day vlog for the Wigan game, which will be out as well. Uh, but yes, yeah, stay safe, everyone, and come on you once. Sports Social Podcast Network.